Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, how's it going Lyle? Going great, Mon. Yeah, how's your concentration camp there? What, my, my concentration? What, yeah, What do you on. mean my concentration camp? You know camp exactly what you're about to do. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Go on. You know what I'm thankful for this morning? Go on. I'm thankful that Mon is a hypocrite and I get to call her out on air today. Oh, please. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So last night I stayed the night at Lyle and Shell's house, right? Because yes. we had late night meetings. No, no, let me, let me give some background to this. Let me give some Go background. On. Go let me give on. some background. Here's how it works. Like, like you all heard right here on Faith <laughs> FM, you heard it right on this station, how when I talked about how I go for a swim in the morning before I come to work, Mon was so jealous. But it was, was like, a hotter I would, day. I would totally do that. It was a hotter day on that day that I said that. Yes. And besides, one you, degree. you told me that I, I – so we woke up this morning um, at Lyle and Shell's house. Here it comes. And Lyle, comes I'm like – excuses. 20 minutes before we had to walk out the door. So shovel out more 20 excuses. minutes before we had to walk out the door. Lyle's like, oh, by the way, unless you like get in the, in the pool, I'm going to call you out on radio. And I was like, well, 20 minutes is the exact amount of time I need to shower, dress, brush my teeth and get ready to go. So yes, if you told 20 me 25 minutes – uh, uh, also, I had no swimmers. And the next thing I know, it's like concentration camp central. Like the last time I stayed in your house and I could go for a swim, I, ha- I had to lock the bathroom door this time. It was last time your wife snuck into the bathroom while I was in the shower and dumped a bucket of cold water over me. Awesome. It's like one minute you're having a shower and the next minute you're in Poland. Yes. Yeah, anyway. It's awesome. So much fun. I'm grateful we your bathroom door you. has we a love, lock. We love having, having you over, Mon. Come anytime you like. Always Look, welcome. Only if there's leftovers in your fridge. <laughs> okay, but this is uh, this all happened uh, a couple of days ago, anyway. So this was this yes. is delayed. Bro- we don't even yes. know when you're getting this. But 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 there is one transmitter that is not on the delayed broadcast. Yes. Today. So people, yeah. Townsville, you're not hearing this today. Yeah, that's right. You know, people might be listening to a delayed broadcast every day and think to themselves, "Well, it's never going to happen for me." But do you know what? It happened for Townsville. Yep. Townsville is no longer on the delayed list. They are now part of the live audience, they which got you together, can be part they have of. Faith FM. They upgraded their uh, internet connection, and they are now listening to the live show. So, if you want to do the same, just call us one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Give us a call. Hassle us that you want the live show in your area it's actually not that hard to do and we'll get it happening we just need some hassling that's all yeah that's right not 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 lyle and myself personally but our producer anyway coming up in today's show i'm going to talk about jeans yes and i'm going to be d- discussing the very uh, exciting announcement of the winner of the um cities for our future award so that competition is now closed and they've announced the winner and it's really exciting stuff so we'll be discussing that in our good news segment and so much more stay tuned we'll be back right after this Voices in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every Just who I am 
Guys, that was Lauren Daigle with Citizen here on Faith FM. And as this Tuesday kicks itself off, give us a clue for the quiz there, Mon. Yes, this is a Who Am I quiz, and I want to say it's medium hard. Medium so hard. Five out of ten? Yeah, yeah, five okay, out of ten. This one's a five out of ten. All right. Yeah, okay, okay. Five out of, five out of ten. Five, five bragging points were, were out of ten. <laughs> Very specific, Lyle. Okay, first clue. Oh, by the way... Um, 
Actually, no, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Okay. So you can't do that. <laughs> There's a rule against that. By the way, by the way, i got an exciting thing to say. Oh, I'll tell you later. What's that supposed to mean? I'm, I just wanted to torment you really long. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, okay. Here comes the this, first this clue. First clue for our Bible quiz. Who am I? Joel and Abijah are my sons. They accepted bribes, perverted justice, and, for justice, and followed after dishonest gain. Do you know who that is, Lyle? I know what category of person this is, but no, I don't. Okay, give us a call now. I'll give you double prizes at the moment. Our first prize is a wonderful book called A Pale Horse Rides Ooh, by Sean Boonstra. It's a very uh-huh. good book. It's excellent. It's a really good book. So on the back it says, many people know the story of how Christianity unfolded in Europe over the course of many centuries. And many people also know the story of Martin Luther launching a reform movement in the beginning of the 16th century. In this book, you'll meet people from the fringes of the empire, barbarians who mysteriously converted and built their faith with nothing to go on but the words of the Bible. Yeah, yeah this is really good. Really good. This is a really so it's good about these just fearless men and women, you know, living their faith during mm-hmm. really dark, dark times mm-hmm. in Earth's history. Yes. And a lot um, of people are unfamiliar with barbarian faith. Yeah, yeah. The barbarian faith really was where um, the scriptures were preserved. Yep. And absolutely the true teachings. You know, th- teachings like you know. Foundational stuff such as salvation by grace alone through mm-hmm, Christ mm-hmm. was preserved by barbarians. Yeah, and and apparently, like the, the people's lives in this book, <coughs> like uh, that they that they go over. These were these are people who actually predicted in prophecy, and uh, you know, and they paved the way for for us really. And, and uh, it's interesting. The further you go out into barbarian land, so to speak, mm-hmm. but the further you get away from you know your main civilizations of Western Europe, the further you get out into the into the fringes and the edges, the more pure the gospel light shone. Yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you study the history of uh, Celtic Christianity, for instance. It's just absolutely amazing. Well, your own faith will be deepened by uh, reading this book and reading what, what these barbarians accomplished. So, a pale horse rides. That is today's prize for the quiz. So, give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. If you can get it right before Lyle gets it right, I'm going to chuck in a Bible as well. Oh, there you go. Do some NKTV research. Brand new Jump online right now. NKTV. Now, talking about, talking about barbarian uh, culture and barbarian uh, Christianity. Yes, and, and how that you know this was this was the fringes of the of the empire at that particular time, the holy the Holy Roman Empire. Uh huh. You know, so I, I did mention you know Pictish, Celtish, Scottish, you know that kind of Christianity. But you also had Armenian Christianity, and you yeah. had Ethiopian Christianity. Oh, really? Which raises an interesting question. Yeah, which I'm going to have more to say about. Mm-hmm. Later on, mm-hmm. seeing as you can do that, I can do that too. Oh, Lyle, <laughs> Lyle, such a punk. Uh. <laughs> okay, let me tell you some good news. Okay, first of all, I'm going to start leaving my wallet in your car, Lyle, just by accident on purpose. Please feel free anytime. <laughs> because uh, this young man, he was tw- 20 year old young man, he was taking a flight from uh, Omaha to attend his sister's wedding in Las Vegas. Um, this is in the states on Frontier Airlines. And he lost his wallet and he contacted the airline. He feared the worst and indeed nothing was handed in. Nothing, nothing was there. However, about a week later, he gets a package in the mail from an anonymous sender and inside was the wallet along with everything that was in it. So his ID card, a signed paycheck, his de- debit card and 60 bucks in cash. It was all there. Plus, this anonymous returner had chucked in some extra money to... <laughs> To round out his sixty bucks to a hundred, 
<laughs> what? And, and then stuck a letter on there. And uh, it was so sweet. Let me read this little letter to you that the guy wrote. Who does that? So that the anonymous guy said, found this on a frontier flight from Omaha to Denver, row 12, seat F, wedged between the seat and the wall. Thought you might want it back. All the best. TB, that's his initials. P.S. I rounded up your cash to an even 100 so you could celebrate getting your wallet back. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. I've heard of, I've, I've had my wallet returned to me a number of times intact. In fact, I've never had my wallet returned. With a bit extra. With with a- anything but intact. I've never had anything <laughs> taken out of it. When it's when it's been lost, it's been a long, long time. Well, I don't carry a wallet anymore. Who uses a wallet these days? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, um, I have never ever had a wallet returned uh, with, with a bit with, of extra, extra gravy. Yeah, well, they actually, thanks to our social media, they actually managed to track the guy down. Uh, his name's Todd Brown. He's a father of five. I guess, never- I guess most people use a wallet. I just use a phone instead. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was Todd Brown, a father of five, and he was delighted to, to have the chance to have a little fun with helping out a hardworking stranger. Because you could obviously see on this kid's ID card that he was only 20 years old and, you know, in uni and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, the, the mother, he, she said, you know, uh, this story is more about restoring faith in people than anything. Yeah. You know, we hear a lot of bad news, but not enough good news. And uh, they personally wanted to thank Todd Brown and his wife and their five kids for restoring faith uh, that there are amazing people out there and the world is not as good as it's made out to be. Absolutely. We need beautiful? to have more stories like that for sure, Mon. You can tell those kind of stories every day. Okay. Well, I do have a story. It's a bit more about innovation because you and I are big innovators. You were not going to tell yeah, me. Yeah, this one. Well, kind of. This We were big fans of innovation, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I've been keeping an eye on uh, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. They have a competition every year, the RICS. The Royal Institute of? Uh, uh, Chartered Surveyors. I thought you said child surveyors. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, no, no, no. Okay. What kind of <laughs> organization? Have, is this, this that Mon is a, is a fan of? They run a competition called Cities for Our Future. Okay. And the innovation that comes out of it is just mind-blowing. Um, but this year, I want to say it's more humble but still quite ingenious um, yeah, inventor that invention that won the top prize. Mm-hmm. And it was actually by a 23-year-old Filipino inventor, would you believe? <clears throat> so he won the, the, uh, the grand prize, $64,000 in cash. Um, for building, for, he took on board the challenge. And this is really great because he took on board a problem in his own uh, in his own hometown in, there in Manila. Um, the problem that they have with the ur- uh, rapid urbanization. Mm-hmm. So basically, they have these slums that are just like the population is just increasing rapidly in the slums, and they have you know these tin shanties that we see in the news, and they, it's kind of really poor quality, um, kind of dangerous housing. And so he's decided to actually tackle the problem there, oh. which is a uh, you know very very big of him to do. And uh, and he won with something called Cubo, which is this really cool modular housing uh, design, and it's all and it's, it's just amazing because it's all made out of bamboo. So what he's done instead of like trying to find some sort of you know new techie kind of material from somewhere, he's done it so it's like everything's right there where they need it. So these people can source the bamboo right where they are, and it only takes four hours to build a house. From when the from the construction cool. when the, when the construction I need some people bamboo everybody anyone yeah. want to start donating bamboo I will build a house for the, in four hours yeah so they're and they're really cool because these modular houses you can actually um, configure them together in different arrangements uh, so you can fit multiple houses together and the residents can then share like kitchen uh, bathroom offices communal areas so it kind of fosters a sense of community is also keeping costs down like one bathroom between like five houses is much cheaper than you know each house having its own you know shower or whatever mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so. 
And then, of course, it uses like the old tricks, like, you know, the heat gain. Do they have a space between the roof and the ceiling? So that's reduced. And they have the whole thing on stilts to avoid the floodwaters and, um, you know, all, that, all those kind of tricks. And it has a, all of them have these um, <clears throat> slanted roofs so they can collect rainwater so, so the slums can get fresh, clean water mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, what they're getting out of the dirty rivers there. So it's really quite ingenious. I'm just surprised about the cost. Like, it's just so cheap. This kid's really done his math. So I've done it in Australian dollars for us. It's 88 bucks to build this house. <laughs> it only takes four hours. What's the average cost of a house in Australia? Oh, again? But check out this, the rental, the rent rates. So it's 35 Aussie cents a day to rent one. It's $2.45 for a week, which in a year would cost you $127.40 to rent one of these houses for a year. That is literally, Lyle, less than my weekly rent in Australia. And i got to tell you, you, share your, you share these your... houses aren't ugly. What? Look at that. That's a what? nice house, isn't it? I would so live in that. So would I. It, I would so live in that. Like this, I'm, I'm showing him, a, it's quite large. It looks, I want to say like almost like a Asian palatial with that sort of old school with the bamboo and stuff like that. I mean, this is big. This is not one person's home. There's would be like about um, yeah, it would look quite half a dozen different. families live in that. It would look like quite, quite different after half a dozen families lived in it for yeah, true. a couple of years. But it's still sure, very nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has, well, yeah. he's decided to, to sort of give them their respect and dignity back yeah, by not giving really them nice, a, a hut. It's, 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 it's nice. It's minimal. It's modern. It's yeah, not, it's very it's, modern. It's not a village hut. It's something that um, yeah. you know, an architect would be proud to live in. Absolutely. So this kid has uh, deservedly taken out the prize for the um, Cities of Our Future Challenge and uh, I'm looking forward to next year's.
You were listening to what were we listening to? Melissa Otto. I was going to say it sounded like Melissa Otto there. How could it be if anything else other than Melissa Otto? Pick her voice in a lineup. That's it. All right, give us a uh, and an, an, a unique sound. Yeah, sure. yeah, very nice. Yeah, very nice, relaxing, soothing voice uh, Melissa Otto has. Hmm. Okay. Can I give them a clue for this quiz, Lyle? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Who am I? Clue number two. I asked, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? It's a good question. He asked it. I, I, I know exactly who that is. Oh, yeah. Write it down. Ah, all right. Where's the pen? Where's my pen? My pen is gone. Who ran off with my pen? You have an entire jar of pens in front of you, Lyle. Give all us right. a call if Here you know comes. the answer. You ready? Uh, yes, you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. our prize today is A Pale Horse Rides. It's a really great book by Sean Brunstock. Give us a call now if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. We will send you A Pale Horse Rides if you can give me the right answer. Mm-hmm. How often do you change your jeans, Mon? Uh, I want to say like once a week. Okay. Um, you, can now change, um, you can now change the genes of your offspring. Oh, what? Yeah, so this is coming out of China. Uh, a uh, Chinese doctor by the name of He Jiangchu, or He Jiangku, um, has uh, just uh, um, produced twin girls who have just uh, been born with edited genes. So he edited their genes so that they would be resistant to HIV and AIDS. Oh. Which is an interesting process um, and has created quite a stir, quite a furor, because now that those genes have been edited, it's done, it's out there in the human race, it is there to stay, and it is now a part of humanity. Yeah, because when those girls grow up and get married and have kids, those genes will be passed down, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about the the implications of that, it's like, okay, what do you actually do with this? How far do you take this? You know, if you're going to treat HIV, AIDS uh, by editing genes, then do we start to do this, you know, as a matter of course, like we would do immunizations, you know, edit everybody's genes. And then, of course, in a very short space of time, the whole world will be uh, made up of um, superhumans, humans that are, gen- are humanly genetically edited. You know, because you think about it, you know, just in uh, Southeast Asia, one in seven people in Southeast Asia are genetically related to Genghis Khan. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's because he was a multiple rapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he, he raped multiple people every day of his life for his entire life. Um, and, you know, that was, uh, that was part of his, his, his philosophy. He had very much an evolutionary take on life that, uh, you know, to, to be a successful um, in, in the evolutionary perspective, you know, was to pass on your genes. And so he wanted to pass on his genes to as many people as possible. And so from an evolutionary perspective, he was the most moral man who ever lived. Mm. Uh, because not only did he pass on his genes, but he also uh, created a lot of warfare, which creates an environment for survival of the fittest, and he uh, therefore purified the human race of uh, weaker elements. And so from an evolutionary perspective, yes, the most moral man that ever lived. From a... Uh, Christian perspective? Yeah, not so much. Hell in a handbasket. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so he um, altered the embryos for seven couples, and one of them turned out to be a success. Doesn't actually. This is the doctor, doesn't, yeah, Genghis yeah. Khan, right? This is right, the doctor. Um, doesn't say what uh, the success rate was, or what the what happened to the non-success babies. 
But he says, I feel a strong responsibility to make a first, but also be an example. This was something that he did not inform anyone of before he uh, began this procedure. And so it was one of those situations of asking forgiveness rather than for permission, although gene editing in China is not illegal. Okay. Cloning is it illegal elsewhere? Cloning of human beings is illegal. Oh, yes, very illegal. Okay, okay. Because it affects the whole human race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this could affect your grandchildren. Your grandchildren could be carrying these human edited genes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, give a few more generations than that and they'll be spread a lot more uh, widely. And so um, he's just sort of simply said, well, society will decide. We've done it now, so society can now decide what to do next. Well, it's a little bit late because it's out there. It's a little bit like a virus. You create a virus and then you let it go. Is out there. You can't stop it. It's done. Look, I, th- I think what he's done is a little bit shady, but in the same breath, that's exactly the kind of mo that I'd be up to. Because usually, <laughs> like when they do something scientific like that, when they're debating about it, it causes a huge media storm. Should we? Shouldn't we? Should we? Shouldn't we? You know, it goes on, on, and on, and on, and then nothing yeah. gets done, right? But it's, it's yeah, kind of. I would totally just do it without. It's good for you and I. We get to talk about something for the next yeah. three years on the, in the media. <laughs> I have to admire this guy's audacity, but in the same breath, I, I'm sure. Yes, um, some people. So, uh, quotes from a number of uh, prominent doctors around the place: unconscionable, not morally or ethically defensive, far too premature. We are dealing with the instruments of, with the operating instruction. Sorry, of a human being. Um, which uh, one uh, on, on the flip side, you've got George Church from uh, Harvard University, where says says you know HIV is a, a major and growing public health threat. We need to do something about it. And so that's the flip side of the coin. I think the easiest thing to do about HIV it's never been a health threat to me. Never will be a health threat to me. Right. Not worried about it. Never going to be a problem for me. Um, simply because I follow what the Bible says. Amen. Yeah, it's a really easy solution to HIV. Is uh, if you are worried about it. Then follow what the Bible says, and if you um, uh, don't follow what the Bible says, then be you know, worried. Be worried. I, just, I I'm I'm I'd really like to know what the potential side effects of having dabbled with someone's with someone's genes are. Like, does it, do these girls going to the grow up with? We don't know. Yeah, that's kind of, and they will pass that on. Yeah. Well, I mean. What happens and let's say they, these. Let's it, say these two decide not to have children, or you know, somebody gets upset and is like, "Okay, sterilize these kids." That'd be a little bit unfair. The one as thing well. I definitely think this has done is messed up those kids' lives because those kids are going to be treated like science experiments for the rest of their days. They're going to be tested and poked and prodded and, and just. Because you can imagine they want to want to study and, them and at every stage of their life to see how they're coping, how their genes are doing, if they have any defects, because they're going to want to know if they can do this to other people. And people, these kids will, are going to be petri dishes. Once that, once they, uh, once they reach adulthood, everybody's going to be watching. Are they going to get in a relationship? Yep. Are they going to oh, have yep. kids? What uh-huh. kind of kids are they going to have? Uh-huh. You know, and the t- the kids will be tested. And imagine if you were the boyfriend of, or you know, potential husband of one of these girls, the questions that you would go through your mind, like, you know, what do I? Do mm-hmm. I really want to go down this path? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to take these genes and spread them to the world, these, these edited genes? Now, gene editing uh, is a fairly easy process. It, it does take place um, in other countries on adults um, to, uh, to either disable a troublesome gene or to supply a needed gene, but that's different from Sounds um, more like repair. Edi- editing the yeah. genes on an embryo, mm-hmm. which are then able to be... Inherited or mm-hmm. will be inherited. So, yeah, an interesting ethical situation that our world finds itself in right now. It would be sad if, like, 
you know, I'm sure we've all seen those movies where like the prototype works, but then they try and uh, mass produce the, the prototype and it, and it's just it fails miserably. It'd be so sad if these girls were able to live like, you know, normal lives, didn't have any defects or side effects, but their kids were riddled, riddled with some sort of crazy side effect. That'd be very And this sad. is the thing. You and know, they didn't this know is, until this they is, got this there. Is, this is testing on human beings. Yeah. There's a reason why we test on animals rather than human beings. And uh, I'm totally, totally 100% support animal I'm, testing. I'm guessing these twin girls' parents gave permission to have it done, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's uh, there's probably a lot of fame, a lot of money to be involved in it as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, Wrong reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm... I'm it's like, why else would you do this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, do you really think your kids are that immoral that you have to worry about HIV AIDS? Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe if you come from that kind of a background, who am I to know? Um, if you've got some thoughts on this, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669. We would love to hear from you. Hear your thoughts on this. Anyway, uh, moving uh, from China to India, from the largest Populated nation on earth to the second largest, we have 200,000 activists protesting in northern India at a sacred site. Oh. Uh, they want to build a mosque there. Now, it's not a mosque, a uh, Hindu temple. Mm-hmm. A mosque was built there in 1528. And that building was torn down in 1992 by uh, Hindu protesters, and around 2,000 people were killed. Um, it's supposedly the birthplace of the Hindu warrior god Lord Ram, and uh, yes, they they did not want to have a mosque there, and so they tore the whole thing down. Oh my! But I have a solution. Oh yeah. Yes, they should not build a mosque there. They should not build a temple there. They should build a memorial there to religious liberty and tolerance from all people, and list the names of the two thousand people that died in the riots back in nineteen ninety two. That's a really good idea. Lo. I like it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. The PM is supportive of uh, the temple being built there, and you know, there's yeah, just a lot of heat and a lot of violence, and there's an election coming up, so. Ooh. You know how that's going to go. Yeah, it's going to be used as a pawn in this election game for sure. Okay, this is Matt and Josie Minicus with Peace. Soul is finally 
Welcome back, everybody. You listen to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. We are joined, as per usual, with Pastor David Stoyjik, who is a regular here on the show, um, to discuss our topic for the morning. And we wanted to give a quick plug for the community outreach that your church is involved in, the New Start Expo at the Warrabrook Community Centre. Sounds really exciting, David. Uh, yes, Lyle. Um, they, they, my church is a host. Uh, however, there is a new start training program that comes to us from Weimar Institute okay. in, the, in the USA. Uh, some of our listeners might be able to hear, um, uh, might, might be able to recognize the name Dr. Neil Nedley. Uh, yes, I, that's I, a very famous uh, name uh, across uh, the world. He is the one who established the program uh, such as Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program, mm-hmm. such as Emotional Intelligence. And so on and so on. So, so he's, I believe he's the president of the Weimar Institute. Mm-hmm. And so his institute comes and trains people uh, to actually assess, to, 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 to do service to the community. Uh, and the name of that uh, kind of program is the New Start. New Start Expo. A New Start is an acronym that stands for uh, things such as uh, nutrition, water, Exercise, nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperament, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God, trust in higher power. So it's a very integrated program that actually takes into consideration every aspect of life, physical, social, mental, and spiritual, which is pretty much right along the lines of our passion. So they're coming, they're doing a free uh, service to the community. They'll set their seven stations or seven tables where people will be able to, to be assessed. Uh, about their, their holistic health. They'll be able to get uh, results, some sort of a uh, debriefing about their assessment. And so it's a very, very good uh, program this Friday, uh, this Friday morning uh, from 9 o'clock to about 1 o'clock. Uh, it will be at the Warbrook Community Center um, here in Newcastle. And so anybody who hears this message and would like to get their holistic health assessed, they can come any any time between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. this Friday morning at the Warbrook Community Centre. Sounds fantastic, David. I uh, would encourage anybody within that area to uh, yeah, head across there, anyone in the Newcastle Central Coast area. Um, head across there to the Warrabrook Community Centre and get your free health check. Sounds That's amazing. Right. That's right. Okay, so last week we concluded a uh, mini-series on relationships and forgiveness. Today we have another interesting topic. It's an issue that is faced by a lot of people in our community. We're talking about addiction to pornography. That's right. Now, David, you're a counsellor. What percentage of people that you counsel discloses to you that they have uh, a problem with pornography? <laughs> That's a good question, Lyle. I'm just trying to think how many people come to me and identify pornography as the main issue when it comes to their marriage or their relationship? And the answer is not too many, really. Uh, Over the last two years of my counseling with individuals and couples, only one couple identified pornography as the big issue they were facing. And they were separated and on the brink of divorce when uh, they first came to see me. And I'm delighted to say that, they, that their relationship since then uh, has significantly improved and they're now planning their wedding renewal. They want to actually have the renewal ceremony. Uh, I haven't done too many of them, but maybe over the about 25 years of ministry, I've done maybe two or three. So it's always good when people actually want to renew after yeah. maybe some challenges they had, they want to renew their, 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 their marriage vows. Nice. 
I need to say, however, Alayl, having said just what I've said, that not too many people come and say, this is our problem. I need to say that, that, that the number of people that come to see me for a variety of issues to do with their relationships admit that they are also struggling with pornography. Okay, so they're not saying that this is the problem in the relationship, they're just something, this, this is an additional issue that I have in my life. That's right. And, and some of them don't see it as a serious issue as they believe that most uh, people, most men, <laughs> have similar struggles. And, and so, so this, this kind of opinion is just, <laughs> all men do it, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the problem with that? They, they kind of really downplay uh, this issue. Uh, uh, they, they make it as being not serious. Sure, sure. Is it serious? <laughs> well, yes, it is, uh, for a number of reasons. Very, very serious. Far more serious than what many people really, really would, would, would think. I'll start with the effects of pornography on our mental and physical health. And then, you know, as we go through our talk, maybe this morning we'll touch on the, on the effects of pornography on the social and spiritual side of our being. Uh, last year, uh, in 2017, Lyle, mm-hmm. The Telegraph, which is the, the, the UK newspaper, published uh, an article uh, under the name the, the, the Scary Effects of Pornography, How the 21st Century Century's Acute Addition is Rewiring Our Brains. Okay. Uh, so so <laughs> the, the article actually uh, stated that in 2014, a Cambridge University study found that pornography triggers brain activity in sex addicts in the same way drugs trigger drug, um, uh, drug addicts. So, so um, you know, would you consider addiction to drugs to be a serious matter? Yeah, yeah, that's, a, um, that's, that's something that is never healthy in any way, shape, or form, oh, you, ever. You're trapped, you're trapped. Yeah. And, 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 and usually if you're addicted, you cannot resist. You, f- you feel that you cannot resist. So, so the article, uh, Lyle, goes on to say that compulsive behaviors – uh, including watching porn uh, to excess. <laughs> they use this porn to excess expression, uh, kind of almost implying that it's okay to, to watch a bit of porn, but <laughs> nothing could be further from truth. You know? Well, if you're talking about an addiction, the way I'm thinking of it, you know, is that you know, when they talk about alcohol addiction, they're, an alcohol is only ever one drink away from... Well, from being a, a, an addict. An addict. So, so they say, this article goes on to say that compulsive behaviors, including watching porn to excess, uh, overeating and gambling are increasingly common. This, the study, uh, this study takes, the one that they did, as a step further to finding out why we carry on repeating behaviors that we know are potentially damaging to us. And this is according to Dr. Uh, John Williams, the head of neuroscience and mental health um, uh, the Wellcome Trust, uh, which did, which founded the research. Okay, so the porn industry is absolutely huge, um, and increasingly it is targeting you know the younger generations. Um, w- what's going on there? Well, yes, it is. It is a huge industry, uh, Lyle. Today, uh, uh, that that article reveals something that is staggering, mm. and, and they they said they they give this kind of information. They said today, and it was in two thousand seventeen. It is believed that online porn sector is worth around fifteen billion. So it's 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 kind of bigger than some GDP of some banana republics. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of countries that um, <laughs> you know have so it's smaller worth, GDP it's than worth that. around 15 billion, and it reaches more people and younger people every year. And they said in 2016, the analytics uh, uh, report of just one website, the Pornhub, revealed uh, that its videos were watched 
92 billion times last year. That you know they analyzed that that porn hub where people go to watch. Porn. That's just one site. That's, that's just ju- one that, website. That's just one site. So- one site uh, by sixty four million daily visitors. Sixty four million people daily on that website. And 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 this is what they say. This is so that's my- that's that's more than double the population of Australia. Oh yeah yeah nearly triple. It works out that. At twelve point five videos for every person on the planet. So basically, if they would spread to seven billions, you know, people, you know, it actually daily people would be watching like at twelve point five videos per person on this planet. And if you tried to, uh, to watch all of them consecutively, like all of these videos, mm-hmm. ninety two billion uh, videos, it would take. 524 years, uh, 524,641 years to actually watch that what is watched is actually in, in one year. Yeah, that's, and that's just, By the population that's just, of the that's world. just one website. It's just one website. So, so, uh, wow. uh, and so it was found out, this is, you, you mentioned young people. Last year it was, it was found, and this is, this is the staggering and, and, and mind boggling research. It was found that 53% of 11, the 16-year-olds have seen explicit explicit materials at some stage. Okay, and that's a, that's a rather um, that's a rather large statistic that we're dealing with right there, as far as young people, particularly when we think of it, you know, from a male perspective. Yes, obviously going into more than that. We're going to come back and talk about uh, uh, that in just a moment. Right now, we're going to go to a break. Uh, we're going to have this song. But um, I want to look at, when we come back, you know, the other negative effects of pornography and whether it's just a male issue, whether it's females. Obviously, with stats like that, it's females as well. Yes. So we will be back right after this song. Stay tuned. Go, Go anywhere. And we have more to talk about. There is nothing in this world
Guys, this is Faith FM. We're here with David Stojic talking about a very serious issue this morning, the issue of pornography. One of those issues that I guess is seen as being you know, not such a bad thing in our world today, but the research that is coming out is actually quite alarming. Um, we were talking about some of the negative effects. What, uh, what are some of the other negative effects um, that pornography has on people that we haven't discussed yet? This, actually, what I'm going to say now will probably come as a surprise to some people who are not well informed. You know, people today, um, uh, couples or other people may just say, let's get a porn movie to spice up our sex life. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the logic. I've heard that logic, actually. Yeah. But the research shows exactly the opposite. The research shows that actually people who are addicted to pornography and watch pornography on a regular basis, that they end up enjoying real-life sex less than actually people who, who are never exposed to that. So, so uh, the initial belief... So would that then, would that then mean that uh, porn addicts actually have less sex than non-porn addicts? Um, actually, uh, possibly, but it also would mean that if they have it, they enjoy it less. No. Uh, they enjoy it less because if you just if you kind of think of a graph, you know, uh, when you get the hit, you, you know, the, the, the graph spikes, goes high, but then it flops, it goes it goes below the baseline. Below, yes, uh, right. yeah. and, and then next time you need more to actually achieve even less satisfaction. And then what you what people actually watch. Uh, in, in, uh, never translates in real life. They actually start building expectations in their mind that actually never eventuate, and they actually start not enjoying sex uh, at all. Hmm. Amazing. It's, it's, it just seems counterintuitive, but... Uh... Yeah, but that's how it is. Okay, so uh, what about uh, negatively affecting sexual performance? Okay, uh, that, that, that's, we kind of almost implied uh, this here, but let me, let me just uh, kind of uh, elaborate a bit, a bit more. In 2000, a 2015 study by researchers at the University of California found a rare positive correlation between porn watching and libido. <laughs> okay. okay, a, but, rare, a rare positive correlation. Well, 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 well that, 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 that's, that's what they thought. But the consensus is on the opposite side. Actually, they thought, you know, that they found positive correlation that actually libido would increase. Last year, for instance, and this is the British uh, NHS National Health Service experts noted an increase in erectile dysfunction in otherwise healthy young men and thought excessive porn use was the most likely factor at play. So guess what? They thought that they found some positive correlation, but <laughs> later research showed yeah. that actually that was rubbish. That was rubbish. And 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 uh, psychosexual therapist Angela Gregory, in her uh, BBC interview, said that. Uh, the young men uh, um, do not have organic disease. The people who have actually experienced young men, functional, strong, mm-hmm. healthy, mm-hmm. So, supposedly, uh, they, they actually, uh, these young men do not have organic disease. One of the first assessments questions I'd always say, she says, ask how is about, is about pornography and masturbation habit. 
because that can be the cause of their issues about maintaining an erection with a partner. So what she's actually saying is, is yeah. that actually being exposed to pornography with able-bodied young men, you know, it actually, as they thought originally, they would increase their libido, but actually it decreases their erectile function mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they're not able to perform porn induced erectile dysfunction it's an interesting uh, you know and just anecdotally um my youngest son is a panel beater by trade and of course you know hanging out with all of his mates you know either in the workshop and at uh, particularly when he was studying at tafe yep and he was talking to me about how that so many of them are addicted to Vi- viagra because they are simply able to unable to perform without it and they are perfectly healthy young men there's um, and no organic disease whatsoever. And if we just basically dug a bit deeper into that, we would probably find out that they are heavily exposed to pornography. Well, you don't have to dig deep because they're quite open about it. Well, there you have it. You know, they're just like, it yeah, this is, you know, they're just passing stuff we around can the classroom rest our all the case. time. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so is this predominantly a male issue? We mentioned this uh, before the break. Do females get involved in pornography as well? <laughs> well, look, this is interesting. You know, you have heard about Gallup uh, uh, poll. You know, uh, um, but this is the, this is one of their executives, Cindy Gallup, uh, who is an expert in in advertising. She says one would think that porn is predominantly a male gender issue, uh, and, and she states a number of reasons. She says because the porn industry is driven by men, funded by men, managed by men, directed by men, and targeted at men. Hmm. Uh, but however. According to Psychology Today, an article recently published by Nigel Barber, uh, he actually entitled his article, Women Flock to Pornography. Uh, according to his survey, uh, uh, according to the survey that he had access to, uh, uh, he actually quoted that uh, 30% of internet porno- pornography users are women. Uh, and he says uh, that... Um, uh, this is a problem of uh, that you know that evolutionary psychologists claim that women choose relationship based romance literally over visual erotic. So what we actually are mm. saying is women, men are visual. Sure. They see something, they get excited about it, mm-hmm. but women are more into romantic, you know, feelings and, you know, nice behavior and so on and so on. But he says that's not the case. There you go. Uh, because he says women are also uh, sexual beings. And, 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 and he goes on to say that, especially in countries that are more emancipated, that women are far more likely to engage in these activities uh, in their own time and even in casual sex than in some countries that basically where sex is still a taboo topic and so on and so on. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so before we discuss the spiritual effects of um, pornography, uh, just let me ask you if Christian men and women struggle with pornography or is this a... Uh, a habit, a, an addiction reserved for people who do not have faith and values that Christians pr- profess. I, I, I suspect <laughs> here on this one, we all know the answer, right? <laughs> well, let me state it. Unfortunately, Christians and in general people of faith are not exempt from pornography addiction. Uh, one can just do a quick YouTube search and find many presentations that aim at uh, aim to help Christians or people of different faith. You can even find Muslim sites that actually are aiming to help Muslim believers with their addiction to pornography and so on and so on. So, so really, Christians or people of faith, other pay, faith, also struggle with this issue. Okay, so why, from the Christian perspective, is pornography such a serious issue? Uh, this is a, an excellent question. Human sexuality is a gift of God. Mm-hmm. God gave it to us to enjoy it within the confines 
of marriage. It is the highest form of sex is the highest form of intimacy between a man and a woman. Uh, the word in, in 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 actually the first word describing that in Hebrew is yada to know, to mm, intimately mm, know, mm. and to be a blessing. Uh, it sh- it's meant to be a blessing. Uh, it should be exercised in the context of trust and commitment. So marriage is the context when people get married. Lyle, we the ministers ask them to enter into a covenant of faithfulness that is meant to last until death. We ask if they lo- will, will love and cherish each other and keep, them, keep themselves for each other and exclude all others from that unique relationship, no matter what life may bring to them. For better or for worse, we say, in health and in sickness. And so God is invited as a witness and guarantor of this covenant. Mm. So, so uh, really... Uh, uh, breaking that covenant through pornography is a serious issue, isn't it? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, in the light of what you've just said, it's obvious that pornography, you know, flies in the face of the marriage covenant. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter five, verse twenty-seven to twenty-eight, Jesus said, "You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart." Uh, pornography is about lust and is about lusting after some other person outside of marriage. Uh, if one is not married, it's about lusting after somebody else and it's still you know, missing the mark or committing sin because it is selfish in its nature. Uh, so what can people do to overcome addiction to pornography? Uh, so this is really very, very, very important question, Lyle, and we have only like about a minute. So let, yeah. let me very, very quickly quickly uh, uh, say that there is a number of, of actually websites where people can go and inform themselves and do a bit of a reading. Uh, they definitely should go and see a Christian counselor uh, uh, that actually can help them uh, to assess their value system, to help them to align their value system uh, uh, or at least what they're professing, if they're Christian or people of faith. If they're not, actually, they still have to, to see that actually pornography in its core is a very selfish act that undermines that trust relationship mm. between husband and wife. And, 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 and let me just say very, very briefly that in helping people to actually recover from, from, uh, from uh, pornography, there are about four steps. We can use 12-step program, which is very, very good. Sure. But in essence, there uh, are four steps. Survival stage, which, is a, which, can, which can go about one to three months where people abstain, they, they block their, their, their uh, uh, websites, you know, uh, they, are, they make themselves accountable uh, uh, to other people. Uh, there's websites such as Covenant Eyes. There's a stability stage, goes from 6 to 18 months, uh, where they, they are further accountable, maintenance stage from 1.5 to 3 years, and then mastery stage, where you constantly flee, like Joseph fled, mm-hmm. you know, and so on and so on, and, and rely on God. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. We do appreciate everything you have to share. Uh, this is a big subject, and uh, if you've got questions on it, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Right now, stay tuned. We'll be back after the 8 o'clock news. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends, and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in, and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big, iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au 